I'm excited about this new series. I'm going to call it I Choose. This is kind of rolling over in my spirit. And so I want to begin today and there's a lot of different ground that we could cover. How many of you are in agreement with me for what's right for this time and for this uh, teaching we have today? And there'll be more to come. So open your Bibles this morning, if you would, to Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, Deuteronomy chapter 30. And we're going to, to look at verse 19. Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, and the 19th verse. I'll just wait till you can uh, get your Bibles open or till we can see it on the screen here. Praise the Lord. Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, and the 19th verse says this, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. Another translation says this, I'm now giving you the choice between life and death, between God's blessing and God's curse. And I call heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. The choice that you make. Whether or not we have blessing or cursing or experiencing life or death, depends on your choice. Now, this is kind of uh, different for some people because some people have this attitude about God is that everything is up to Him. I mean, God is in control of everything. Well, is He? Was He in control of the shootings in Santa Fe? God is not in control of everything. People have a free will. People can either yield to the Lord or they can yield to the enemy. Was God in control this morning? Did he, did he force you to make a choice whether you were going to eat cornflakes or Wheaties? No, we are free moral agents. He's given us the ability to choose. Now, some people say, well, God is sovereign. I agree. I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to fall out over that with you. Yes, he is sovereign, but he has sovereignly made man in his image and in his likeness with a free choice. Amen? Did not Adam have a free choice? And so God says, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And so he says, the choice is yours. You choose. You are the one that decides what's going to happen in your life. Not God, not the devil, no one else. You choose. Say it with me today. I choose. I choose, I choose, life. I choose life. Now we know that He is our life. Notice with me in John chapter 1. And notice in verses 1 through 3. And then we'll drop down to verse 14. John chapter 1, verse 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God and His Word are one. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And then in verse 4 it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Amen. So now notice in verse 14. It says, And the word was made flesh, and did what? 
And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of Father, full of grace and truth. So the Word was made flesh. Jesus was made flesh. He was in the beginning with God. So when we choose Jesus, we are choosing life. Choosing life is choosing Jesus, and Jesus and the Word are one. So when we say, I'm choosing Jesus, I'm saying, I'm choosing His Word. I'm choosing His Word. I'm choosing His Word as my final authority. I have made the decision that I'm going to live by this word. I'm going to walk by this word. When all other choices are set before me, when circumstances look bad, I'm choosing to live by the word, not by what I see. Now, Jesus said in John 6, chapter 6, in verse 63. Notice this in the, in the book of John, chapter 6, and verse 63. John chapter 6, verse 63, says this, It is the Spirit that quickens. Has anybody ever been quickened by the Holy Spirit? Amen. Amen. He is a quickening Spirit. Whether you realize it or not, just being in this atmosphere, you have a potential to be quickened. What do you mean? You have a potential to be healed. You have a potential to be strengthened. In other words, the possibility of you being changed just by being in the presence of God, it's a very high possibility if you will tap into what He has made available to you through your faith. Of course, if we just kind of sit here and we look at one another and we look at the pastor and we look at Pastor Tom, we just kind of sit here and twiddle our thumbs and text and think about the Warriors game later, it's a high probability you won't be quickened. Amen? I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is a quickener. He's a restorer. The Bible says He will quicken your mortal body. Amen? Well, now, Pastor Mark, I know God is able. I know God is able. Yes, He is able. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can dare ask or think. But it is in direct proportion to the power of God that's working in you. So I believe that it's important for us to stir this power up that's on the inside of us. The power of faith, the power of trust, the power of believing, and receive the quickening power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Just by being in this atmosphere. Just by sitting in faith and receiving by faith. As the word of the Lord goes forth. Oh, hallelujah. Quickening takes place. Restoration takes place. Amen. Direction comes. And so we see that Jesus said in John 6, 63, It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh, how much does your flesh profit? Has your old flesh done anything good for you lately? No, Jesus said that the flesh profits nothing. The flesh profits nothing. But... 
the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. God's word is spirit and God's word is life. And God's word, which is spirit and is life, will do us no good just sitting on a coffee table. God's word, which is spirit and which is life, will do us no good if all we do is come to church and get an emotional release. And I believe in getting an emotional release. Amen. I believe in feeling good in church. But church is not just about a feel-good experience. Church is about transformation. The Word of God is spirit. The Word of God is life. And it will be life to you in your midnight hour. It'll quicken you, hallelujah, when the doctors say no way. It'll cause you to shout, hallelujah, and get happy when Wall Street goes down the drain. Amen. Say with me, God's Word is spirit. And God's Word is life. And so we believe in preaching the word. We believe in teaching the word because we know what this word will do for us. It'll transform us. It'll heal us. It'll change us. As a matter of fact, it can turn you into another man. It can turn you into another woman. Hallelujah. New creations in Christ Jesus. God's word is spirit and life. And so when you're saying, I choose Jesus, you're saying, I choose life. Now notice with me in Proverbs chapter 4, and we'll look at verses 20 through 22. I'm going to enjoy this series. Amen. I got to thinking about all the things we can choose. You can choose love over unforgiveness. You can choose joy over sorrow. You can choose peace over anxiety. But today we're talking about, I choose life. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 23, he said, Now my son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear to my sayings. In other words, listen to what I have to say to you. As you listen and you take heed to what he is saying to you, then faith will come and faith will rise up in your heart. So attend to my words. In other words, put it first place. Incline thine ear to my sayings. Let them, my words, not depart from before thine eyes. Keep them, my words, in the midst of thine heart. See, when you choose Jesus, you choose the word. And in choosing the word, you make the choice to attend to it, to listen to it, to let it not depart from before thine eyes. For they, now notice verse 22, for they, my words, what are they? My words are life to those that are casual about it. My words are life to those that find them, that find them, that discover them, that dig deep into the word of God. My words are life. To those that find them. And not only that, but their health to all your flesh. You know what? Your flesh is here in God's medicine today. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm taking my medicine this morning. I'm getting a good dose of the Spirit and the Word of God. 
So they are life to those that find them. Their health, their healing, or their medicine. Notice with me, not to some of their flesh, but to all their flesh. Amen. Now notice in verse 23. He said, keep thy heart with all diligence. Keep thy heart with all diligence. The word keep there means protect your spirit. In verse 23 of Proverbs chapter 4. He said, keep thy heart with all diligence. Why? For out of it, out of your heart, are the issues of life. What this is saying is this. Protect your spirit at all costs. Because out of your spirit, there is something precious. There are the forces of life. God wants his faith. He wants his wisdom. He wants his righteousness. He wants his love flowing through you. But if we do not protect our spirit, those things will lie dormant. But that's not you. And that's not me. Amen. Now, let's take this a step further. Choosing life is choosing Jesus. Choosing Jesus is choosing the Word. Now, right along with that, when you choose life, you also need to make the choice to speak words of life. We just found in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 22, all the gates that the Word of God can get into our lives. Once you get the Word in you, it's important for you to speak it out. In Proverbs chapter 18, and notice with me in verse 21. Remember our text, I call to heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life. Amen. I submit to you today that one of the ways that you choose life is you choose it with your tongue. You choose to speak faith-filled words. Notice this, death and life, or we could say it this way, Blessing and cursing. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. Amen. What you believe and what you speak on a regular basis is either going to produce death or life or blessing or cursing. And you have the power to make the right choices of what words you are going to speak. And what words you are going to live by. Amen? Amen. Oh, hallelujah. God's word, God's system, this whole universe was created by the Father of lights, which said, let there be light. Hallelujah. In other words, he was saying, let there be me. Let there be my word. And the entrance of his word, it brings light. Put your hand over your heart and say it with me. Let the entrance of your word be unto me. Let there be light in my spirit. Let there be light in my soul. Glory to God. And so death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Amen. Now another way that we choose life is we make the choice because we all of us have Ample opportunity to either be worldly minded or word minded. Right? We can either think like the world, act like the world, talk like the world, or we can be word of God ruled. Amen? So when we choose life, 
we also choose to be spiritually minded. That doesn't mean that we get all, you know, weird and, and, and live on another plane and, you know, walk around batting our eyes and, you know, getting real strange. No, to be spiritually minded is just to have a mindset of the Word of God. Amen. Now, notice with me, in Romans, the eighth chapter, in Romans, the eighth chapter, and notice with me in verse 6, Romans 8 and verse 6. So there is a worldly mindset, and then there is a Word of God mindset. Amen. It's our choice. You can choose what to think on. You can choose what you're going to dwell on. Romans 8, 6 says this, For to be carnally minded, what does it produce? We could, we could read it this way. For to be worldly minded brings death. Okay? For to be carnally minded is death. I'm going to take a little pull of water here. Does the body good. <clears throat> For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded, what does it produce? What does the renewal of your mind produce? A mindset that is set on the word, it produces life. I'm choosing life today. But not only that, it produces a peace that is outside of this world system. Hallelujah. I can remember when I got born again... And I heard the word of God for the first time. I thought there's no way that this could be true. I thought to myself, are you kidding me? Where in the world have I been? That's exactly where I was, in the world. <clears throat> and when you're in the world, it's hard to get the word. But when I kept hearing the word of God, Jim Caseman was my pastor way back in 1975. And... Brother Caseman just preached the word, but Sunday after Sunday, I'd sit there and hear the word. I'd go to my little house that I had. It was more like a chicken coop in those days. And I put Brother Copeland on. And I heard the word on absolute life, absolute love, absolute light. And then I'd put, put Kenneth E. Hagan on. And I'd hear about prayer and intercession. And I would spend days and I would spend hours just in the Word, in the Word. Then I'd go Sunday and my mind was starting to be changed. My mindset started changing from a worldly view to a Word of God view. Oh, my brothers and sisters, when that happens in your life, that sets you on a course of transformation and change. And God will take you from one degree of glory to the next. All of a sudden, things in my life started falling off. Worldly actions, worldly deeds, different things that I did started just falling off. I couldn't do what I did before because I was a new man and I got the word of God and it began to change the way I think. And it started changing the way that I acted. And it's doing the same thing today, here and now, in 2018 for you and for me. Say it with me, I'm being renewed in the spirit of my mind. In Romans 8, 6, again, for to be carnally minded produces death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. 
To be worldly minded is death. To be word of God minded is life. Now a great example of this that we're going to look at rather closely this morning is found over in Luke the 10th chapter. Luke the 10th chapter. Amen. Luke the 10th chapter. And we'll notice in verse 38. Luke chapter 10 verse 38. It says, Now while they were on their way, it occurred that Jesus entered a certain village and a woman named Martha received him and welcomed him into her house. There's indicators that Martha was a top-notch cook. There's indicators that she could cook, man, that she could really put on a meal. I mean, you talk about biscuits and gravy. Amen. Now, they didn't have bacon, but they might have had turkey bacon. You think about it. Martha, Martha is welcoming Jesus into her house. Wow. In verse 39, And she had a sister named Mary, who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was listening to his teaching. She was attending to his word. She was inclining her ear to his sayings. The Bible says, that she seated herself at the feet of the master. And while she's sitting there at the feet of Jesus, Martha is bustling around in the kitchen, and she's cooking dinner for everyone. And we see that Martha was extremely distracted, the Bible says, by many things. Notice in verse 40. But Martha, Martha, overly occupied and too busy. Has anyone in this room ever been too busy? Has anyone in this room ever been overly distracted? I think we could probably all raise both hands. Well, this is what was going on with Martha. She was overly occupied and she was too busy. And the scripture says... She was distracted with much serving. The King James Version says she was cumbered. Here's the picture. She's got a house full of company. Jesus is there. And how many of you know, when Jesus is in the house, you want to do right. You want to cook right. And this is, I mean, this is a lot of work. I mean, they didn't have any microwaves in those days. There was no instant anything. She had to go to the well to get the water. She had to beat the corn out. And she's working really hard. And there's Mary. Spiritual Mary. My, 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 my. Oh, no, you didn't send in his feet. She had an attitude. Here's Mary just sitting there. She gets annoyed. And she gets frustrated. And she came up to him. She probably came up like this. Lord, is it nothing to you that my sister has left me to serve alone? 
Stop what you're doing, master. And tell her now to come help me to lend a hand. There's some potatoes that need to be peeled here, Jesus. And let her leave your feet and do her part with me. Think about it. She interrupts Jesus. I wonder if we've ever done that. Just saying. But the Lord replied to her and said, Martha, Martha, you're right, you're right. I know it's your house and we we ought to honor what you're doing here. No, Jesus was not blessed by being interrupted by someone that was anxious and fearful and full of distractions. Martha, Martha. Anytime you get two words, Martha, Martha, you better just hit your knees. He said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about how many things? Many things. This was a pattern for her. This was a way of life for her. She was easily distracted. How many of you know, never at any time are we ever justified to be anxious and to be fearful, to be worried and to be upset? And I'll tell you the truth about it. The main reason why folks get anxious and full of care comes from what they are thinking on. In other words, what their mind is set on. Watch that in your life. Watch that when the pressure comes. Where does your mind go? When you choose Jesus and you do it right every day, you can get so trained that you automatically think and declare what God's Word says. Come on, somebody. Martha has got something on the stove, but more than that, she's got something on her mind. She's agitated. She's anxious. She lost her peace. Now notice how Jesus addresses this. And I believe that this is a word for us. Because in life, there are many distractions. In life, there are many circumstances that you face and that I face. We know that the enemy walks about as a roaring lion. Does he not? Seeking whom he what? May devour. We know that he is in fact a thief. And his resume is this. I've come to steal. I've come to destroy. And I have come to kill. So here's what Jesus said. And this is not just a word for Martha. This is a now word for you and for me. He said in verse 30, 42, There is need of only one thing. And Mary has chosen. Say it with me. Mary has chosen. Mary has chosen the good portion, and I'm reading from the Amplified. I'd like to pull that up there if we could. There is need of only one thing, but Mary hath chosen the good portion, which is to her advantage. Ooh, hallelujah. I love how it says that. We don't have it up there yet, but we'll get it up there in a minute. Choosing the good portion. 
Choosing Jesus. My brothers and sisters, you'll never be sorry if you choose him. If you make his word your final authority. If you choose to live your life for him, it is to your advantage. You and I have the believer's advantage. You have an advantage over the world, the flesh, and the devil when you set your mind on him. When you live for him. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to read it again. We must be having some technical difficulties. There is need of only one thing. But Mary has chosen the good portion. That which is to her advantage. And then it goes on to say, which shall not be taken away from her. Hallelujah. Jesus said, Martha, there's one thing. In other words, Martha, there's only one thing really that should be on the menu today. And the one thing that's on the menu is me. I am the living bread. I am the children's bread. Martha, why don't you just sit down, put those pots and pats down, and come sit at my feet. I mean, Jesus is the miracle worker. If he wanted a meal, he could have found a two-piece fish dinner from a little boy. Thank you, Jesus. A two-piece fish dinner. And multiplied the fish and multiplied the loaves. They could have had a love feast in that house today if Martha would choose the one thing. Reading from a couple of other translations, it says, But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. What part are you going to choose? What are you going to choose this week? Who are you going to choose when your body starts hurting? When you run out of month before you when you run out of money before you run out of month, what are you going to choose? God's word translation says the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you worry and fuss about a lot of things. But there's only one thing, everyone say one thing. There's only one thing you need. And Mary has made the right choice. And that one thing will not be taken from her. And so we see that Jesus corrected her. When Jesus is your Lord, and His Word is your final authority, and His Spirit is your ultimate guide, and you find out what He tells you to do, there should be nothing else on the menu but Him. Amen. Folks, when you and I know the one thing, it will eliminate the things that deplete us. I'm going to say that again. When you and I know the one thing, it will eliminate the things that are depleting us. So Martha made the wrong choice that day. Have you ever made that wrong choice? I have. But you know what? It's easy to make the adjustment. It's easy to go from a worldly-minded mindset to a Word of God-based mindset.
Amen? Amen. Now notice with me, in closing today, say it with me, I choose life. I choose life every day and every hour of my life. Now, does this require focus? Does this require focus? I believe this, that our ability to succeed in life is based on what we focus on. And the world is calling for your attention. The world is calling for your focus. It's fighting for your focus. And so I believe the Spirit of the Lord is saying to keep your eyes upon me. In Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and the second verse, in the Amplified, it says, looking away, looking away, from all that would distract us to Jesus. Looking away. Amen. You have the power to look away from each and every distraction that comes your way. Amen. And then in Colossians, the third chapter, and if we, if we can, let's pull up the message translation of Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Colossians, the third chapter, verse 1 and 2. Let's read this together. Ready? Read. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ. Uh, now, wait a minute. We've got to stop right there. Do what? How many of you are serious about living this new resurrection life? What do you say? We act like it. Not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Amen? Let's begin again. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Now notice with me in verse 2. Verse 2. This is great. Ready, read. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things in front of you. But look up and be alert. To what's going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things. See things. From his perspective. See things. The way that he sees them. I ran into this the other day. And I want to close with this. Because I believe this will help you. Listen to this statement. This is a powerful statement. Living. Above my circumstances occurs when my perspective interprets my circumstances. Rather than my circumstances determining my perspective. Now let me break that down. We could say it this way. When you define the word perspective, it means attitude. It means outlook. But it also means mindset. Everyone say mindset. mindset. So let me, let me read that statement again and see how this fits with you. Living above my circumstances occurs when my mindset, if I've chosen Jesus and I have my mindset on him and upon his word, come on somebody, then that interprets my circumstances. 
In other words, my circumstances don't look so big and so bad when I've got my mind on him. I got my mind on him all day, all day. I got my mind on him. Ooh, glory to God. That makes a huge difference. When you approach life with the perspective of Him and His Word and an attitude of faith, oh, glory to God, your circumstances may be there, but your circumstances don't have to rule over you because your Word ruled minded. So let's read it again. Living above my circumstances occur when my perspective, my attitude, my outlook, and my mindset interprets my circumstances. Rather than my circumstances determining my perspective. So we don't want to wait to get the perspective of God and the way that He sees us. We want to make sure that we're in this word and we're renewing our mind so that when the test comes, we look at it and we look at it through the lens of God's holy word. Put your hand over your heart and say it with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the word today that I've heard. I know that faith has come and that faith is rising high in my heart. I make the choice of life today. I choose the blessing of the Lord in my life. I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ died for my sins. That he rose from the dead on my behalf. And I proclaim today that Jesus Christ is my Lord and is my Savior. Thank you, Master, for the power of choice. I choose Jesus. In all of my ways, I will acknowledge you and make the right choices. In Jesus' name. Let's stand up, everybody. Let's sing something. Amen.